Hello, and welcome to another Sustainable Wine podcast. My name is Hannah Holmari, and I'm the editor at Sustainable Wine, which is the online magazine of the SWR, or the Sustainable Wine Roundtable. You're listening to the second episode in our new SWR member interview series. And today I'm delighted to be joined by winemaker Sally Evans, who is the owner of Chateau Georges Set in Fronsac in Bordeaux. Sally, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Hannah. Lovely to be here. You left your career in consulting and started your journey as a winemaker when you established Chateau Georges Set in 2017. Tell us a bit about that and how your approach to sustainability has developed over the years. As you mentioned, I established Chateau Georges Set in 17. I actually bought a parcel of vines in Fronzac, which is on the right bank of Bordeaux. And I bought some dilapidated buildings. And from that, I created what is now Chateau Georges Set. I equipped the winery. I also renovated a house that I now live in and created a tasting room also in 2020. It's 100% Merlot, fantastic terroir in Fronzac, 35 plus year old vines. And I started everything from zero, which also meant that my sustainability approach could be very much what I wanted to do rather than what generations before were telling me I should do or traditions. And I had no influence from a winemaking background because I had none. So, so you've really built a vineyard from the ground up and have been able to bring this very fresh perspective to sustainability, which is fantastic. But as we know, when it comes to sustainability, context is so key and the challenges and opportunities really vary across regions and wineries. So what are some of the key sustainability challenges that you face in Bordeaux, especially as a small producer? Well, as we know, Bordeaux is a huge wine growing region, a lot of infrastructure and also very traditional. Coming in as a non wine industry professional, I really started from zero, which has its advantages because I had no preconceived ideas as to what should be doing when you have a wine dynasty where you have generations doing things year after year in a certain way. I had none of that. That was great in the sense that I could really start with my own view of how I wanted to farm the vineyard. But also it meant that I had a lack of knowledge, clearly, because I had come from another industry. I have two amazing consultants who helped me with the wine production who have deep local knowledge. And obviously, Bordeaux is a very wet climate. I had lived previously in a very dry climate, eight hours drive away. And therefore, there are certain challenges around Bordeaux because of the wet maritime climate we have, and notably something like mildew and so forth. Coming at it, what I felt was all I can do is use my common sense approach, what makes sense. And I think that's very much how a lot of consumers approach sustainability in everyday life. Let's use our common sense. And that's very much how I approach sustainability. Absolutely. It's sustainability it's not a black or white thing there's no prescriptive method that you can replicate everywhere so it's, it's far more nuanced and as you say really about weighing up the options that you have and just doing the best you can and again applying common sense what are some of the specific sustainability practices that you have going on at Chateau Georges said as a small producer I have very little influence and impact to actually change what is happening around me. As you probably know, Bordeaux really has evolved in the last few years in terms of its approach to sustainability. They really do have some amazing best practices now in place and help to encourage a real shift sustainability across the region. 
so from my perspective, for example, one of the things that has been put at my disposal recently was an audit of my carbon footprint as a vineyard owner, which I have done. I'm still waiting for the results on that, but I have done that so that we can get a really good feel for the carbon footprint. We do take a very common sense approach to how we farm the plant. I will probably get onto this later. I don't have organic certification, but I certainly do everything we can in terms of a holistic approach to how we look after the land from biodiversity, planting hedgerows through to not using insecticide, but using the female pheromone to ward off the male grape moth so that mating doesn't happen. So we don't have to use an insecticide. And we also use very few practices in the vineyard to enable the vines to have a much more natural approach. So we don't obviously use any herbicide. We do very few tractor passes and so forth so that we can make sure that the soil doesn't get compacted and we use minimal diesel. So those things for me, that's just common sense. It's not something that you really need to be taught, but you actually sit down and understand what needs to happen in the vines to make healthy soil, healthy grapes and a good production, and then make those decisions along the way. And as I said, I didn't have the weight of previous generations telling me what they've always done, always worked on my shoulders. Therefore, I could just really take that common sense approach. Sally, you did just mention organic there, which seems to certainly be the easiest and most familiar concept for people to equate with sustainability. But as we've seen, organic isn't always necessarily the most sustainable approach. Often organic viticulture can actually have a higher footprint than conventional due to the fact that it can require increased machine use as you need to treat the vines more. Let's talk a little bit about consumers and their understanding and perceptions of sustainability in the vineyard. You've had a busy few months in regards to wine tourism. Have you seen that most people who come visit are interested in learning about sustainability in wine? And what are the general levels of understanding and awareness like? I'm always amazed how little people know about what goes on in the winemaking process and especially what happens in the vines. At the same time, people are absolutely fascinated when I start talking to them about what we do. We we walk out into the vines and we stand in the vines and I tell them what's going on at the moment, whatever time of year they're there. And then I talk to them a little bit about our approaches and they can see that we don't use herbicide and so on and so forth. You would be amazed at the number of questions I then get about the details when I talk about not using copper, but using a biocontrol product to try and reduce the amount of copper. So just to be clear there, we do use copper, but we do not use only copper to fight mildew, which is obviously our big enemy in a wet wine growing region. But we use a biocontrol product, which is not permitted in organic. It is in some countries, it's not permitted in organic in France, so that we can reduce the amount of copper and therefore the number of passes in the vineyard. But once I start talking about these things and how I use this approach in the vines, people are absolutely enraptured by it. They are so interested. And then I just get a flurry of questions. And sometimes a five minute chat in the vines turns into 20 minutes because they're just asking so many questions and things that had never occurred to them. I find that amazing. Unfortunately, it's very, very hard to get that across to people succinctly to consumers when they are just simply trying to buy a bottle of wine in their local wine store. But I am absolutely thrilled how interested people are when they come to visit. And what about bottle weight? 
Do people ever ask you how much your wine bottles weigh? Is that a topic of conversation or questions that people ask? No one has ever asked me how much my bottles weigh because one of the questions that comes out during the discussion about sustainability in the vines is what do you think will have the most impact on the carbon footprint of a vineyard? And nobody ever thinks of bottles, glass production. They think of fertilizer, and sometimes people might think of diesel tractors, which obviously is the second most impact on the carbon footprint. But no, nobody ever asks about bottle weight, but we do discuss it because from the start, I have been conscious that the extremely heavy bottles are not necessary. But at the same time, I need to sell my wine so that I can pay for next year's production, and therefore I have to appeal to consumers. And the packaging is part of the product and is part of the experience that they will be having with my wine. And therefore, it's a really, really difficult area. Absolutely. When people are buying wine, they're not just buying what's inside. As you said, they're buying everything that comes with it, the image around the bottle, the perceptions they have with this. You have a fantastic blog post in which you share your experience of bottling your first white wine last year and the options and decisions that you were faced with when it came to sustainability. Can you tell us a bit more about that? As I had dug more into sustainability and wanted to really try and tackle it from the coalface around the glass bottle, which there is an awful lot of chat about both in the trade and also starting with consumers and on social media, I thought, let me tackle this. This is where a couple of things that come up about being a small producer. As a small producer in a traditional area, I don't have a lot of choice of alternative packaging. I am not big enough or influential enough with enough buying power to turn to somebody and say, right, can you make me this? Because I want to put 100,000, 200,000 bottles of wine into that. So therefore, I have to go with a lot with what there is. So if I'm talking about bottles, because for my white wine, which will probably last four or five years, therefore be drunk younger than my red wines, which need to age. So that's, you know, bottle becomes more of an obvious choice there. I looked at a number of packaging options And I came back to glass because that was really the only option available to me in terms of cost. And there's therefore looked at using a lightweight bottle, but also looking at other aspects such as where is the glass bottle produced? And I found one that's produced locally. So just up the road in Cognac, where it's actually quite a forward looking bottle and glass manufacturer and bottle producer. Therefore, it's not traveling a long way before it gets to me. It's also using a high percentage of recycled glass. So I chose a bottle that would use a high percentage of recycled glass in it. So it's a green bottle and it has up to 97% of it is recycled glass. And then also the bottle weight. So the bottle weight is 400 grams. People do talk about having a lighter bottle, just under 400 grams. But to be honest, if you are shipping that or if you're using a courier company to send to customers and those boxes are going to be thrown around in the van, going under 400 grams, you are going to have a lot more breakage, which means you waste everything in the wine producing cycle, not just the bottle itself. So going under 400 grams was advised I shouldn't do. All that research I had to do around the person producing the bottle and its weight Then I had to think about the label. Okay, let's use recycled paper that has been bleached using stones rather than chemicals. Then look at the cork. The cork closure is the classic closure. Getting a screw cap closure in Bordeaux, again, I didn't have the economies of scale to make that possible with a bottling unit. So I was looking at cork and therefore used, and I have used last year and this year, the most innovative products from the two of the major cork producers where they take pieces of offcut corks they treat them 
anti-TCA, anti-cork taint, and then they stick them back together using vegetal glues. And those glues could be made from beeswax. They could also be made from waste from grape skins. I've tried to look at all the aspects of packaging um, the actual bottle of wine to make it as most sustainable as possible. But I can tell you, it took me many, many hours to dig out that information. And then, of course, getting small quantities at a good economic price so that the consumer would get both the advantage of the sustainable approach, but also not have to pay for it. That was quite a challenge. It's amazing how much thought and effort you've put into this whole process. And really, all of it just sounds very logical. So why isn't everyone doing this then? It's really, really tricky. There is a perception of quality of a heavy bottle, just as in the beauty industry, a heavy, thick, heavy jar would make one think that the cream inside it is going to be better. That has to change. When I first produced my white wine, there are certain audiences who are thinking this is fantastic. The bottle weight does not impact the wine that's inside it, the quality of the wine inside it. But I did actually get some comments from local people who I know and who love my wines, who picked up the bottle and said, but maybe you should use a heavier bottle to match the quality of the wine inside it. And I was quite shocked because that really was a young person saying that. It wasn't an older, more traditional buyer. That is an issue that we need to get through. And hopefully that will trickle through that just because the packaging is not heavy, it doesn't mean that it's not good quality. And also this year, when I was bottling my red wine, I've tried to bring down the weight of both of my red wine bottles and had incredible challenges where bottles clogged up the system, bottles were breaking. And in fact, two pallets, I lost the whole pallets of bottles because the packaging had tried to be more sustainable and wasn't robust enough to hold the bottles. So in the end, we wasted a lot of glass. That wasn't my fault per, per se, but obviously by trying to do the right thing, we also have challenges as a producer, which perhaps the consumer doesn't really get to see. Absolutely. The misconceptions around bottle weight and quality are, are a huge problem in the industry. But so also thinking when consumers are buying wine, how important do you think certifications are in helping them make sustainable choices if that's what they're looking to do? I think it's very, very difficult for consumers to understand the multitude of certifications and labels and stamps that there are on the back of bottles. Clearly organic across the board, not just in wine, but across all products has been the one that people now identify and think they understand more than others. But we have a multitude of certifications and most of them have really, really good structures and goals. And that's why I'm so invested in the Sustainable Wine Roundtable, because we need to get that consistency across the various programs globally, worldwide, so that we can enable consumers to make the right choices, buying wine and also other products. So that's why I feel very strongly about SWR and what we're trying to do so that we can really help the consumer in the long term to make the right choices. Yes, the development of a global sustainability reference standard is one of the key projects underway at the SWR. Dr. Peter Stambry, the head of research at the SWR, has been incredibly busy carrying out a global mapping and benchmarking process of existing standards in wine. Earlier this week, he shared the progress and key findings to date, of which there are many, uh, too many to get into now as we're wrapping this episode up. But they really just highlighted the complexity of what sustainability means in wine, the importance of context, and how ultimately, when it comes to comparing standards, there really is no right answer. 
So what advice would you give to consumers who want to buy sustainable wine? Well, at this point, I think it's really simple. Just get to know the producer. Look them up. Look them up online. Look at their websites. Look at their communications. And as a small producer, I love it when people ask me questions and come directly to me and pick up on something that they may have asked me when they came to visit and so forth. So yeah, get to know the producer, get behind the label and just watch out for greenwashing. By getting to know the producer and the wine they make, then you will know really what they're up to in terms of sustainability and just what they're trying to do to do the right thing. That's great advice. Sally, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your insights, and of course, your continued support of the SWR. As I mentioned throughout our discussion, Sally has a number of fantastic blog posts and videos up on the Chateau Georges Set website, so do make sure to go check those out. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe to Sustainable Wines podcast channel and sign up for our newsletters on www.sustainablewine.co.uk. And of course, if you're interested in getting involved in the SWR, please do get in touch with me at hannah at sustainablewine.co.uk. Sally, thanks so much again. Thank you, Hannah. A pleasure.